So what does it take to truly create meaningful change in the modern world? Here's a few ideas. Embrace an outsider's perspective to bring fresh ideas to traditional fields. Tap deeply into your personal experiences to inform and inspire your work. Use data and facts to help shape behaviors and outcomes. And capitalize on the human desire for recognition and competition. Those are some of the insights from GeekWire's profiles of six uncommon thinkers, Seattle area inventors, scientists, technologists, and entrepreneurs who are transforming industries and having a positive impact on the world. This editorial series, presented in partnership with Greater Seattle Partners, was based on the deliberations of a panel of outside judges who chose the uncommon thinkers from nominations submitted by GeekWire readers. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. On this week's GeekWire podcast, we talk with four of our uncommon thinkers in interviews recorded backstage at the GeekWire Gala in Seattle, where we honored them earlier this week. Dr. Elizabeth Hansen, thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for this honor. It's really incredible. Well, congratulations on being honored as an uncommon thinker. So what I did was we have a new generative AI engine out this week from Google. It's the Gemini version of BARD that they just released. So what I did was I had both BARD and ChatGPT read the profiles of each of our uncommon thinkers and offer their impressions. So I'm gonna read each of them to you and then get your thoughts. So first we'll do a little bit of an A-B test. I won't tell you which is which. So, and the listeners at home can also play along. I'm switching up which is A and which is B. All right, so here is A. Blending her expertise in anesthesiology with a deep commitment to sustainability, Elizabeth Hansen epitomizes the potential for positive change within seemingly established fields. Her pioneering efforts to reduce carbon emissions in healthcare demonstrate the power of individual action and inspire others to embrace sustainable practices in their own professions. Her work offers a glimpse into a future where medical care is not only effective, but also environmentally responsible. What do you think of that? It's a little over the top, <laughs> but, but nice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's A. This is B. Dr. Elizabeth Hansen is an anesthesiologist who recognized and acted upon the significant carbon emissions in her field. Her initiatives led to a substantial reduction in emissions at Seattle Children's Hospital, and she didn't stop there. Hansen extended her efforts to other hospitals, demonstrating how individual awareness and action can lead to broader environmental change within the healthcare industry. Her work is a testament to the impact one can have in combining professional expertise with environmental responsibility. What do you think of that one? That one seems a little more scientifically worded and, uh, and I think accurate. I actually like that one better. It's a little bit more journalistic, less rah-rah. That was ChatGPT. The first one was Google Bard, the new Gemini engine. I'm a little surprised. I've used ChatGPT a few times, and I have to say one of my prompts to it is, can you tone it down a little bit? <laughs> likewise, likewise. You saw a problem that many others saw as well, but you were compelled to try and solve it. What was it about the way you thought that caused you to look at the emissions of anesthesiology and decide that it could be changed? So I think it was, it was a couple of things. Um, seeing the scope of the problem, it was actually keeping me up at night. I was 
very worried about the future of the planet and the health of the children that I take care of and my own children. So just having that motivation, I think, was, was a big part of it. Um, the second part is my team, my colleagues at Seattle Children's Hospital, the commitment we have from leadership at Seattle Children's to go carbon neutral by 2025. Being surrounded by people who care about this and, and who have the same goals made the work easier. And the third part was having access to the data. So using uh, Adaptic software, which my colleague Dan Lowe developed, allowed us to actually track our emissions and give data back to each clinician and show them the impact of the decisions they were making and how they were caring for our patients so that we could learn from our best performers, our lowest emitters, and implement changes over time that we could actually see were making a difference. So having that technology piece was, was critical. One thing that I learned from the profile of you actually struck me as a parallel to somebody else that I spoke with recently, Dr. Fei-Fei Li, who's an artificial intelligence pioneer. She and her colleagues created a fundamental breakthrough in artificial intelligence through a competition on ImageNet to be able to make machines detect what was in pictures. And you did something similar in a different way. You gamified this idea of reducing carbon emissions from anesthesiology. How did you do that? That was using the Adaptic software. So we were able to see our emissions from our inhaled anesthetics from the day before. So all of the cases that I do, all the kids that I take care of, I give medicines to, to keep them safe and asleep during surgery. But I could see the next day the impact that I was having in terms of carbon dioxide equivalents in the choices of anesthetics that I used and how I delivered them. So having that information and being competitive with myself drove me to continue to reduce my emissions and make those changes to my practice. But I also was able to display the emissions for my entire team in a plot that was very easy to understand and read and share that with the team so that everyone could see their own emissions and how they compared to their peers as well as how they compared to their self the week, month, and year prior. So that brought out everyone's natural competitive spirit. And I would highlight the lowest emitters from the month before in my email out to the group and say, you know, this person had a dramatic reduction. This person had the lowest emissions of all of us that, that month. And so people would find me afterwards and say, how do I get highlighted in your email blast? I want to be, I want to be in next month's email. So then I could go through and, and show them some of the techniques that we were developing and how just the little adjustments that we make can make a big difference in our emissions. It's such a good reminder and reading that in the profile made me think, how can I apply that principle to things that I want to accomplish or that GeekWire wants to accomplish within the community? A little bit of competition and a little bit of recognition goes a long way. All right, last thing, you alluded to this at the very beginning. So obviously you've used ChatGPT before. I am curious, either in your own personal productivity or in your field of anesthesiology, are you seeing an impact meaningfully from artificial intelligence over the past year? That is such a good question. I am not an expert in artificial intelligence at all, but I have used it as kind of a starting point or a way to generate some ideas for some of my writings, um, writing letters of recommendation, <laughs> things like that. Um, but it was actually, it was in the ASA Digest, the American um, 
Society for Anesthesiology Digest, there was a, a discussion about AI and anesthesiology and medicine at large and just people thinking about how it's going to be impacting the way that we diagnose and care for patients. I think everyone has really high hopes that it will help us diagnose problems earlier. And I could imagine in the operating room, if we can integrate artificial intelligence with our monitoring, that maybe a subtle change in some of our vital signs could alert us to an impending problem that, that we haven't noticed yet. The more I hear how people are using it, the more I think of the potential that's to come. So that's really neat to hear. Dr. Elizabeth Hansen, thank you very much and congratulations on the honor. Thank you so much. Dr. Elizabeth Hansen is an attending anesthesiologist at Seattle Children's Hospital. See the show notes and the related post on geekwire.com for a link to her profile as an uncommon thinker by journalist Natalie Graham. We'll be right back with more. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. All right, I am here with one of our Uncommon Thinkers honorees, Shwedek Patel. It's great to see you, Shwedek. Great, thank you. So here's what I did. I went to ChatGPT and to Bard Gemini, which was just released this week. And I asked each of these generative AI tools to read the profiles that GeekWire wrote of each of the uncommon thinkers. And then I said, give me your impressions. First off, as a scientist, what do you think of my experiment? I gave it the exact same data and I gave it the exact same prompt. Yeah, it seems pretty sound. I mean, you've got a nice, you've got a comparison base there. You've got the same input. Um, yeah, that is a pretty sound, I would say that's pretty sound experimental design. So let's do an A-B test. So here is one of them. Let's call this one A. Shwedek Patel, a rare breed of naive innovator. Patel thrives on learning across fields and applying knowledge unexpectedly. His ability to connect Seemingly unrelated dots, like a mobile spirometer using a smartphone, demonstrates his exceptional creative brilliance. His work reflects a deep understanding of the transformative potential of technology, particularly in the realm of healthcare. What do you think of that one? It's fairly accurate. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good synthesis summary of the article, and it got the right. Te- it got the technologies right. All right, here is B. Shwedek Patel is a distinguished innovator who defies conventional boundaries between academia and entrepreneurship. His work is marked by creative problem solving, resulting in successful startups like Zensi, Snoopy, and Sinosis Health. A professor at the University of Washington and a leader in Google's health technologies, Patel exemplifies the fusion of technical expertise and practical application, making significant strides in health tech and beyond. Which would you pick, A or B? Huh. It's a hard choice. See, A goes into some specifics, but B is specific, plus it bridges a lot of concepts together. I'd go with B. All right. So B was, in fact, ChatGPT. A was the new Google Bard Gemini. I will say that Gemini seemed to me a little bit better than the old Bard. Yes, for sure. So one of the neat things about your story is the way you're able to bridge 
unrelated things together to come up with new ideas. What unexpected connection or seemingly unrelated field sparked the most innovative solution or the most unusual or unexpected solution you've ever developed? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is kind of part of my story. I think, uh, so like when, um, when I was doing a lot of the energy work, yes, energy is related to electricity and also related to being an electrician, but I think the ability to think about like that trade got me thinking about the problem in a way that I may not have asked the same questions if I were a science and scientist in that field. So I think the trade knowledge was really the thing that really helped me um, ask questions that I don't think any scientist would have asked given their um, scientific training in that space. So like another example might be, this is not my personal example, but let's say you are lab tech in the medical industry and you're trying to innovate on medical technologies, even though you might not be an expert in medical technologies, I wonder what would come out of a lab tech. Interesting. So when you're talking about the electrical work, I tend to think of the ability to use the electrical wiring inside the walls as an antenna for some of the earlier smart sensors that you put into the house. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, that's right. Two, two projects. One is using the electrical wiring in a house as an antenna to extend this communication for a wireless sensor, but also um, looking at the electrical noise on the power line to infer appliance usages without having to have sensors everywhere in the house. So you're one of six of our honorees for the Uncommon Thinker Award. What advice would you give other people if they want to be able to look at the world with a beginner's mind like you do? And to what extent can they use that to innovate in their own work and daily life? Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, uh, I think I do that could be helpful for some people is that, you know, when you're trying to solve a problem, what you might usually do is you might tackle that problem with lots of different solutions. So you take a kind of a buckshot approach where you build a lot of solutions for that one problem. But the thing that I typically do is I find all the adjacent problems and try to solve all those adjacent problems in parallel because then eventually you have all these different ways of solving those adjacent problems that can be brought back together to solve that primary problem. Can you give me an example? I like what you're saying, but I want to make sure I fully understand it. Yeah, so, you know, I do a lot of work in sustainability, energy monitoring, and health. Those are two very different worlds. But at the end of the day, the techniques that I've used where you use, like, these commodity signals to solve this, like, really hard problem where a lot of people have been trying to build customized solutions for it, it's the similar approach. A, a concrete example is, like, when I did a lot of the energy work using the noise on the power line that I just mentioned, the ability to find noise in the vocal track of somebody blowing at a mobile phone is how all the spirometry work came to bear. So instead of trying to solve the signal processing problem on noise cancellation, I tried to find all these other adjacent areas where we could solve similar problems, and then that came back to, it turned out that the solution that we created actually fed back to like NLP technology, which is pretty ubiquitous right now. It's crazy, yeah, natural language processing. Okay, last thing, we, we talked a little bit about this before at the University of Washington Computer Science Allen School Research Day, but how has artificial intelligence changed your life and your work and your field over the past year? Yeah, I mean, AI has changed uh, my field dramatically, drastically, I mean, across the board. I mean, one is when I work with graduate students as a professor, I mean, the pace of innovation is just astonishing. I mean, it used to be once a month, maybe we might have some interesting finding, then that was already on a fast pace. This is daily 
daily I get updates from my students on something amazing that they've discovered or invented or done with AI. Just the, the generation of hypotheses have changed because now you can use AI to synthesize a bunch of literature that would have taken weeks, months to synthesize. Now you can do it in a matter of minutes so they can ask harder questions much faster. Um, they use AI as tools to supplement what they're doing by, you know, hey, I don't need to write this piece of code because that code is pretty easy to do with an AI model so that I can focus on what to do with the code, not just build the code. But then in my area of health and AI, I think we've seen a lot of great promise there because if you think about drug discovery, if you look at what to do with all the medical data and how to synthesize that data and do useful things. Um, just a few days ago, my team published a paper that showed that you can do differential diagnosis on case studies, like really hard case studies. And the LLM actually outperformed an expert trained clinician to be able to solve these New England Journal of Medicine complex case studies. You're kidding. Yeah, that was just published a few days ago because a lot of these models, people have shown that you can solve multiple choice questions. You can actually pass the board certification exam to be a doctor, but that's a multiple choice question, right? But in the real world, it's a case study. It's like, hey, I've got this symptom. I've got this history. I've got these other parameters and unpacking and reasoning on that. It's a really hard thing for any individual, but we finally show that a model can actually reason like a physician could. What are the implications of that? I mean, I think the implications of this is that one is that it can help people with diagnosing diseases, rare diseases. So now you have this companion that can help you come up with a, a solution. The other thing is that if you think about democratizing healthcare, now you can start to deploy this for community health workers, for global health. Rural communities can start to benefit from it. So now you can sp spread the expertise that might only be available for a, a small segment of the population in an urban community. Now you can start to democratize that broadly. So think about how that knowledge base can now start to extend to anybody. Shwedek Patel, congrats on the recognition. I could talk to you for hours. It's always really inspiring to hear what you are doing. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you so much. Shwedek Patel is a University of Washington computer science professor and Google distinguished scientist. See the show notes and the related post on geekwire.com for a link to his Uncommon Thinker profile by GeekWire managing editor Taylor Soper. I'm here with Poppy McDonald, the president of USA Facts, one of our Uncommon Thinkers honorees. It's great to see you, Poppy. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's nice to reconnect. You're kind of like a USA Facts alum from your, your famous podcast. I got a chance. I had the honor of doing a podcast a few years ago called Numbers Geek with Steve Ballmer, the former Microsoft CEO and the founder of USA Facts. And so that's the connection that we had. And we've hung out at places like um, Politicon in Los Angeles before where I got to interview lots of crazy people, especially in hindsight, but at any rate. All right, Poppy, so congratulations on your Uncommon Thinkers honor. So what I did for purposes of these interviews was I had both ChatGPT and the new Bard, the Gemini version of Bard, read the profiles that our reporters at GeekWire wrote of each honoree. So I wanna read you and do an A-B test of the two. One of them says, Poppy McDonald, as the president of USA Facts, stands out for her commitment to promoting transparent and factual information. Her work is pivotal in an era of political discord, providing critical insights into government data. I'm realizing I should have had them sum it up in one sentence. <laughs> her leadership has significantly expanded the reach of USA Facts, underlining the importance of fact-based decision-making in democracy, McDonald's career journey from Politico USA to USA Facts highlights her dedication to enhancing public understanding through data. How do you like that one? I like it. Sounds fancy. <laughs> All right. So that's A. Here's B. 
Poppy McDonald, a champion of truth in a world increasingly blurred by misinformation, Poppy McDonald stands out as a guardian of facts and critical thinking. A guardian. Her dedication to factual accuracy and nonpartisan reporting is crucial for a healthy democracy. Her work at USA Facts underscores the importance of objective data and responsible journalism in fostering informed public discourse. So that's B. What do you think? Which one do you like best? My head is so big right now, I can't think, but I'm thinking B. Okay, B. Well, that was, in fact, Google Bard, the new Gemini, the new Gemini engine. So That surprises me, but I like it. They, they did a nice job. Both did a great job. Poppy, when you look at today's world with all sorts of misinformation and disinformation, what are the best ways that we can encourage critical thinking and fact-based decision-making? This is kind of the canonical question of USA Facts. That is such an important question. And I think I look at it from the media side where I come from and Steve Ballmer looks at it from like the data tech side where he came from and I think there's like some happy middle intersection spot where I don't think people necessarily um, stop to say like hey is there government data that could answer my question right now and I think we have to make it really easy to connect questions on the mind of people and things that are keeping people awake at night with government data that helps bring greater transparency and understanding about like how is this country actually doing and so my team's work is really trying to not only like ingest all of this government data and like normalize it so we can like look at it from a different lot of different angles or issues and also, very importantly then, to say like, what's interesting in this data? Or like, what about this data could be helpful and informative to the public as they're grappling with some of these difficult issues in our country right now? And then how do we present it in a way that's understandable and makes people feel smarter and informed? And so like, there is this interesting middle nexus there that um, is what keeps my team awake every night is like, how do we connect people to information that's helpful and make them feel more empowered because they, they have access to trusted data. One thing that I remember from working on the Numbers Geek podcast that we mentioned earlier is that the data were often outdated and it was challenging to get up-to-date information. That was three, four years ago. Have you seen any improvement in the currency, the immediacy of the data in the last few years? Yeah, you remember well, Todd, and I think you worked with us before COVID, which illustrated, unfortunately, what USA Facts kept trying to say. Like, it is a problem that we don't have standardized data that is collected regularly and provided to people, to the public, transparently about what is happening in the country. And with the pandemic, all of a sudden, uh, people were very fearful of how is this virus spreading? Um, what is hospitalization rates like? Are there beds available? Um, are schools open? Uh, what does it look like for my community? And so I think that was like a big light bulb mom moment for this country and for the government and certainly for USA Facts to illustrate it is really important that we have a standardized way to take these 90,000 governments and think about how that data is collected and reported and made available to the public um, and I, we've seen improvements I will say depending on like the data that you're looking at um, immigration um, it is there are you know there's some stats that will come out monthly there is some in terms of like a, an estim estimation of the amount of uh, people who are here illegally in the country that is like 
five years outdated at this point. And so we keep trying to shine a light on um, when you're trying to make data-driven decisions um, as elected leaders, you've got to demand better data. And there are some places where there's great real-time data, like uh, jobs numbers come out monthly, like Census did some really cool, like pull surveys to go out and, and talk to people about you know, how they were feeling and what they were experiencing from an economic standpoint. So yes, progress and so much more progress to be made. We're in this new era of AI where data is so important. And in fact, it's the way that many companies are differentiating themselves because a lot of these large language models are somewhat becoming commodities unless companies have the resources to train them themselves. How are you seeing AI play out in your work, in the government's work? What are your general observations on the past year in AI and how it factors into USA Facts and your world? Well, you can imagine um, working for Steve Ballmer, like the minute like AI was known, he became very passionate about like talking to me about, Bobby, you need to be paying attention to this thing. This is the thing you should be obsessing about. Uh, so we look at it from two perspectives. One is we have this small but mighty team of 50 people trying to make 90,000 government entities data accessible. So how could AI help power us to work better, faster, and scale making that information available. So I think from like a, a time savings efficiencies, how do we leverage AI um, to do more to fulfill our mission? And then I think the second way we think of AI is how could it help us think about the product we offer to customers as more accessible? So wow, wouldn't you rather chat with somebody about, I'm curious. I don't feel like my school is doing a good job serving my kids. Is my school doing a good job and getting it to talk back with you with some data and facts rather than, you know, parents are hysterical right now or, you know, the latest news story is teachers are quitting at alarming rates, but like facts about, well, actually eighth grade reading proficiency in your school is X and that compares to the country like Y and math in your and that's changed over this time like we, we really think it's a cool way to think about people feeling much more comfortable engaging with data and facts and like trying to show them a spreadsheet um, and so we're really thinking about like how could this innovate the way we provide our product to our, our customers who are you know, our customers and that we want to serve them and provide them a really quality experience. They don't pay us, we're totally free and we're here to just be a public service. Poppy McDonald, congratulations on the honor of Uncommon Thinker and it's great to speak with you. So nice to reconnect with you, Todd. Poppy McDonald is the president of USA Facts, a nonpartisan clearinghouse of government data. See the show notes and the related post on geekwire.com for a link to her Uncommon Thinker profile by GeekWire reporter Lisa Stifler. We'll be right back with more. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, as If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence is now available wherever books are sold. I'm here with Xiao Wang, CEO of Boundless. I had both ChatGPT and the new version of Bard, Gemini, read each of the Uncommon Thinkers profiles. 
on GeekWire, and I asked each of these AI engines for their impressions of the different uncommon thinkers. So here's an A-B test. We're gonna see which one you like better. Okay. Xiao Wang's personal immigration experience deeply informs his work at Boundless, where he aims to simplify the immigration process. His empathy for immigrants and understanding of their struggles are evident in Boundless's approach to assisting families. Wang's blend of technological savvy and deep personal commitment to his mission has made Boundless a transformative force in the immigration sector, helping over 100,000 families. So that's, that's A in your case. And for the folks at home, I'm mixing it up each time. So you, you can play along and decide which one you, you like. Okay, here's B. Driven by an unwavering sense of purpose, Zhao Wang has embarked on a passionate quest to fix the broken immigration system. His leadership at Boundless empowers individuals navigating the complex process, offering hope and opportunity. His unwavering belief in the power of technology to transform lives is evident in his innovative solutions and unwavering determination. Which one did you like, A or B? B. Well, why B? It's A you could read off of any Wikipedia article. B embodies more of that spirit that we're trying to like change the world in, in, in a really positive way. Interesting. B was the new Gemini from Google Bard. Is that gonna change your AI habits? <laughs> you know, we, we use all of them, so I'm excited to add that into the repertoire. What have most people like? It's been a mix of both, it really depends. In some cases, Bard was a little over the top, but what you appreciated was the fact that it synthesized your bio in an intelligent way. At its core, you want people to feel inspired by what you do and by, by what you stand for. And it's like, if they want your LinkedIn profile, great. Like, go to your LinkedIn profile. You are one of six honorees in the Uncommon Thinkers Award. I'm hitting you with this out of the blue, but what's the most unconventional thought you've ever had that turned out to be true or valuable or surprisingly effective? Does anything spring to mind? That is a fascinating question. Okay, I have to reveal something here. Bard came up with that question, too. <laughs> See, I think Gemini, Gemini just leapfrogged everything right now. Okay, now yeah, take, take your time. <laughs> so when I was in high school, I was selling vacuum cleaners at Sears. And I had this idea that people actually wanted to buy the warranty program. Because it gave them this like peace of mind that everything's gonna be taken care of and that like the release of that pressure made everyone feel better that like they don't have to worry about their, their machine breaking down. And no one else understood, like they're like, this is like clearly just like an upsell or you know, a, 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 a scam. And it actually turned out like I had tons of customers coming back to me for months saying, Thank goodness I actually bought this because like it paid off in X, Y, and Z re reason. Um, and I don't know, if, this is probably not true writ large or else warranty programs and insurance programs wouldn't exist. But it was one of these cases where it's like, hey, like I actually did something good for you and you appreciated me for it. Was it your belief in the value of the warranty system, of the warranty for these vacuum cleaners that convinced these people to buy the thing that they would have otherwise thought was an upsell? I think it's the idea that I expanded their, their realm of possibility around like what it could cover. And if you think about a warranty, you're like, oh, I only do it when something breaks, right? 
But at least at that point, you can use it for all sorts of different elements of like making it run a little better, having someone check it out, make sure it's like unclogging things, changing the filters, all of these little things that you're like, oh, I, I it, like you, you put it off. Um, and then once you actually have someone do it and fix your vacuum cleaner, all of a sudden it sucks much better. And it, it's not, it wasn't broken. It, it just worked a lot better and people were delighted by it. Does that reveal something about your personality or your style of leadership or persuasion that still applies to your life or your work today? This is my question, not Bard's. I mean, at its core, you have to believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing, right? It's like, as a startup founder, you are convincing people every day to take a bet on you. Investors, customers, especially your team, right? Like. Your team could get tomorrow right, a job at a much larger company with more stability, with more pay, with, uh, with all of these different benefits and accoutrements. And it's like the reason why they come to you has to be because they wholeheartedly believe that there's no other outcome than you being successful. And so you have to have that idea that like they're believing in what you are selling and it's true. And the reason they believe it it's because you believe it to be true as well. You absolutely have to believe it. And like the moment that you have an inkling of doubt, like it's not gonna happen. Like this, this, this process, this journey is too hard, right? And there's too many chances and opportunities for you to be like, yeah, like, okay, I gave it a good shot. I gave it a good run. Like, unless you're saying, I'm gonna take this all the way to the end. It's like going all in in poker, right? Like, unless you're saying, I am going all in, like, that's it, I have full conviction then no one else will believe it and you won't be successful. That's so good. The thing that's been really cool in reading the profiles of the Uncommon Thinkers and also talking with a few of you today is so many of these lessons can be abstracted and applied in different areas. I've actually learned quite a bit and I'm, my mind is spinning a little bit with different ways that this will be inspiring. Now, we talked about AI at the beginning. In what ways is AI impacting your work at Boundless the immigration process. Are you seeing it play out at all in terms of this new era of generative AI in your work at Boundless? Yeah, I like to think of it in terms of three different tranches. There's the first tranche, which is, the, if you think of it as a pyramid, let's call it like the new Maslow's hierarchy. And the first floor is helping people internally do their jobs better, right? So like, I think this is, no one writes a job description from scratch anymore. No one writes a document from scratch anymore. You know, I used it the other day to write a cease and desist letter and that paid for a year of OpenAI membership in itself. And then the next piece is like, how do you, um, at a, a meta level, create better processes and, and, and structures for the company? And again, this is internal, but like it's around how, like how do you deliver your services in a different way? How do you think of strategic planning in a different? Way? How do you like build up the the foundations for a company that you know otherwise people had to pay hundreds of thousand dollars for an MBA for, but you can get it through some clever prompting. And I think the final, the top part is like how do you do it to help make your customers feel like they can trust you more? And that I think varies by industry and varies by company. For us hallucinations, wrong answers, like different like things that aren't real could have a very material impact on the lives of our immigrants and our families. Like if you if ChatGPT tells you to do something and you're not allowed to do it and you end up getting deported, that is really bad. And so I think we're con continuously looking for how can we help 
provide access to information instead of having to pay thousands of dollars for an attorney for it, but in a way that is fully trustworthy or credible. And that's going to be this next unlock that we're going to work on over the next year. Xiao Wang, congratulations on the Uncommon Thinker's Honor, and thank you very much for speaking with me. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure. Xiao Wang is the CEO of Boundless, a Seattle-based technology company that streamlines the immigration process. See the show notes and the related post on GeekWire.com for a link to his Uncommon Thinker profile by GeekWire reporter Kurt Schlosser. Also be sure to check out the profiles of our two additional Uncommon Thinkers honorees, Riona Armasmith, CTO at electric aviation company Magniax, and Blake Resnick, CEO of drone and public safety technology company Brink. A big thanks to Greater Seattle Partners for making the Uncommon Thinkers program possible. Thank you for listening. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.